You know, I'm out with Batty. Got a toothpick in my mouth. Walking at the Evergreen State College. Yeah, thinking about the idea of scientists and medical professionals, as they're called. You know, how they become the new priest class. And I mentioned this before. That's the interesting thing about all this, just thinking about my own views, is I've always appreciated the scientific method. Not necessarily everything it's used for, but it's like I do recognize that the scientific method gives us a certain view of the world that we wouldn't otherwise have. And it's allowed us to interact with and modify our world for both noble and horrible reasons alike. And that's basically where I begin and end when it comes to just the general idea of science. And it almost feels like I have to say that now. It almost feels like I have to say that the scientific method has some value. And some of its discoveries, some of what it's used for, I approve of, or I I find interesting at the very least. But I don't even feel like I should have to say that. But over the years, you know, my, my attitudes on the cult of science, well, it's been gradual. I've been aware of this for a long time. You know, I've been aware of what's been going on. The emphasis on science, I've been very aware of that for a long time. And I've watched this sort of priest class develop. Where, yeah, scientists are beyond question medical professionals, even though everybody has bad experiences with doctors and nurses. And that goes up the chain. And we're seeing that now, where, you know, that it goes up the entire chain of command beyond just a doctor with a individual practice or someone who runs a hospital. We can see where it goes into government. And so we've all had those experiences, but yet we're supposed to accept and not just accept, but support everything that people in that class tell us Which again goes back to the priest. Where the priest had this unquestionable power in his community, in his church. And we can see where even when things aren't deliberately manipulative in that setting, it's like a priest and the church and their corresponding guidelines and rules are open to interpretation or aren't always relevant to the modern world. And that's a big dilemma with religion where it's people are continually having to interpret and reinterpret ancient text to determine whether or not it applies, how it applies. It's it's one of the dilemmas of any belief system, especially one that's been around, is that it's not just static. And so because of that, it's like nobody is infallible. Like beyond our fallen nature, beyond the fact that we as human beings are prone to corruption, even somebody who's doing their best 
is fallible. I don't know. When I, said, when I said that a second ago, I might have said infallible. I don't know. But either way, people are fallible. They're fallen and fallible. So as a result, you know, you can't trust the priest class for everything. You can hope that they serve a necessary function. You can gain spiritual insight from them. Your community might be better with them. You think in a heavily religious community, you think in these old neighborhoods where everybody's a Catholic, they all go to church. You know, in that situation, like they might be better off having a priest. They might be better off having somebody of that class who can help them. And it's easy to look at that and say, oh, because that position is prone to corruption, because it's prone to... Because it makes mistakes, because it's imperfect, maybe we don't need it. And those imperfections are obvious, and the, and the criticisms are well-deserved. But you can see where we apply that same outlook to other things. And the secular world is, is applying that to you know, the sciences, and people who practice medicine. And it, it's weird because it's, you know, it, it's like I said, it, it goes up the chain of command, but it does start on a level where it's as if you're being told, trust everything your doctor says. It's like, no matter what your doctor says, you should listen to them. And that's a good general rule. You know, most of the time, if you go to the doctor for a given issue, you're going to listen to what the doctor has to say because they know more than you but so many of us and i definitely speak for myself here have extremely frustrating confusing definitely imperfect experiences just going to the doctor or going to the hospital i mean i think about when my mom was dying and we took her to one hospital and they were just like oh she's just having some kind of allergic reaction we're going to pump her full of benadryl run a couple tests and that'll be it and it turned out to be necrotizing fasciitis they really didn't do much like they they saw how her skin was reacting they saw that something was going on they saw that she had hives and red skin but they really didn't pursue it further than that they were just like oh she must be having some kind of reaction and I don't fault them for that but it's like, if this is going to be a protected class who we have to defer to about everything, well, we also have to recognize how imperfect they are. And again, you can use your own experience as an example. Like, if you've had nothing but perfect experiences at hospitals and doctor's offices, well, you're lucky, because I don't think many people do. But that goes all the way up the chain of the command. That scales. And so right now, we're being asked to listen to these people who have been figuring it out as they go along, for one. And they might be in a better position, and they're definitely in a better position than I am. 
when it comes to understanding that. But you throw in politics, you throw in politicization, and we see where politicization completely corrupts the priest class. I mean, I used that example recently of South Korea after the war, rival monks firebombing each other. We can see where politics turned Buddhist monks into violent brutes. And so in this age of, of heavy politicization, you know, medicine and science are extremely prone to corruption and manipulation. And you know that something's up when simply stating that that reality makes you a conspiracy theorist, or worse, it makes you stupid. And we're seeing this now with, you know, anecdotes where a very famous celebrity, a female black rapper, shared some kind of anecdote about somebody she knew having a really bad reaction to the to the vaccine or or simply whether it was a reaction to the vaccine or not simply a bad reaction afterward whether it's related or not and, and it led to this person not being it led to this person's fiance leaving them so it's like this funny anecdote of like if you get the vaccine your balls might swell up which is what she said and, and your wedding will be canceled and your fiance will leave you which is like i have to say like Coming from you know a beloved figure in pop culture, you know one of these people who's become you know part of the, their own priest class, maybe, maybe not the priest class, but something. And uh, you know it's funny coming from someone like that, where how qu how quickly that that can turn. Hey, Batty, come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know you can see where how quickly the tide can turn. Because a certain group of people is so used to people in pop culture, especially people who are at a certain position in pop culture, we're used to them going along with now what the government is saying. Or we can see where even TV right now, like late night TV, is basically just a propaganda arm. Like mainstream comedy right now is just a propaganda arm for the Democrat Party, and it's not an exaggeration. It really is not an exaggeration. I mean, I saw something recently where some celebrity I've never heard of has a, a late-night TV show on Fridays. I'd never heard of her, I'd never heard of the show. But they did this dancing, singing skit encouraging people to get the vaccine. And it's just... It's insane. You know, it, it's, it's like... Basically, entertainment has become blues clues for everybody. Everything is a children's show. And we're seeing more and more in recent years where messages are being communicated in the form of song and dance. You know, which is old. I mean, it's not like that's a, a, a brand new idea. Obviously, song and dance go back much further than most other forms of entertainment. And it's always been a way of telling stories and getting a message out there. But it's strange to me that we're seeing a lot more of it in the last couple years. 
Like we saw, well, even the speaking of the the priest class, we saw where like nurses were doing all the, this dancing, these synchronized dances, and I mean it, it just blows my mind that people get into that. It blows my mind that there are people who are like, "This is amazing," but hey, you know, I can't tell you what I can't tell you what to like. I just know that that's deeply, deeply embarrassing what they're doing. The fact that somebody watches that and celebrates it. Like, there is nothing I believe in, there is nothing I value where if it was performed in synchronized dances and singing would make me feel good. Like, like what I mean is, like, if something that's near and dear to me was communicated in the form of this bizarre song and dance, literal song and dance, I wouldn't feel good about that. I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, I like this because it's sending the right message. I would be like, you're actually doing harm to my cause. By doing this sort of ridiculous dancing, singing, you are actually hurting my cause. I don't even care what your message is. And I feel that way a lot, not just, I mean, I mean, I think maybe it speaks to, to my own beliefs <laughs> that uh, I don't see anybody doing a song and dance to communicate my beliefs, which I think speaks to their credit. The fact that people who believe what I believe don't communicate that way. I will get up on a high horse about that. Because the way you communicate, the way an idea is communicated, is important. And the difference is, too, like if I, wa if I, turned, on, if I turned on the computer and a video popped up, because that's what happens, they just pop up. These videos just pop up, you don't even click on them. No, but really, if I clicked on something and I saw a video, and it was like, let's say free speech. I'm kind of sick of talking about it, but that's still, you know, my priority. But like, let's say a bunch of people were singing and dancing, you know, promoting free speech, absolute free speech. It wouldn't make me stop believing in that. I would just think, why'd you have to do it that way? Why do you have to communicate that way? Same thing for art, same thing for music. Where it's just, you know, you can... I don't know, I, I, just, I just see where more and more that sort of technique is being used. Where it's like, if we sing and dance, that'll convince people. But to me, it just makes them more deranged. To me, it just it, it shows that they're poor at communicating whatever it is they're trying to communicate. But we saw that where, you know, last year during the initial coronavirus hysteria, where that it was getting promoted like nurses and doctors are heroes. And you know what? I'm not against people saying that. I'm not against people giving a morale boost to people who they think deserve it or need it. You know, if I say somebody's a hero to me, I don't want somebody analyzing that and trying to prove me wrong. So if someone thinks doctors and nurses are heroes, more power to them. I think some of them are. But the way it was framed kind of made it out like this was this, this new priest class. These are our saviors. And I'm a broken record. That's the strangest thing about this cult of science to me is where it's like, you know, all of these things, climate change, 
increasingly, there's increasing evidence, coronavi itself. These are all the product of scientific meddling. And there's this tendency when a scientific discovery is made to act like, oh, this was just done in a vacuum. And if something bad happens, or if somebody does something bad with this knowledge or this discovery, it's not the scientist's fault. It's the fault of the evil governments. It's the fault of individuals. And that's an okay argument and everything, except that it's not applied down the board. And there's this tendency in the sciences to take credit when something is seen as good, when a discovery is insightful or, or viewed as beneficial to the human race. But then when it's used for ill, suddenly the, scientific, the, the, the sciences aren't blamed. They take no responsibility. It's like, oh, we didn't mean for you to turn it into a bomb. When we discovered nuclear fission, we didn't mean for you to turn it into a, a devastating bomb. So it's very easy for them to wash their hands. And we've seen that in the last year and a half. Where people double down on these ideas. Especially concerning coronavi. And then as information changes, they just kind of wash their hands of it and pretend, oh, we never said that. Or if, if they said it, they don't acknowledge it. There's a lot of, of faith, there's a lot of face saving. And it's not that the sciences are any more corrupt than anything else, but they're, they're very, the nature of them, like the, the money, the way that, the way that they're regulated, the way that they receive funding makes them inherently biased. Hey, buddy, stay here. What are you saying? And, uh, so, so, and, and so we can see where, like, you know, some of the greatest scientific developments, the most significant scientific developments, happened under authoritarian governments. You know, we borrowed a lot of our scientific knowledge from the Third Reich. We even hired scientists who had worked for the Third Reich. And we can see how they used those developments. We can see how the Third Reich used science and I mean you even think about some of the you know I mentioned last night Pol Pot and the top guy under him one of the top guys was I believe a scientist comrade Duke comrade I don't know I don't know how to pronounce it D-U-C-H but he did he was kind of like the Adolf Eichmann of Cambodia where comrade Duke comrade Dutch, do, I don't know how to say it, but he did all kinds of experiments on prisoners. And that's science. Doing experiments on political prisoners is 100% science. Trust the science. You know, he could have said that. You know, you can make that argument. You can make this sort of argument that, hey, you know, I mean, we see what happens with animals. We see what happens with animals in laboratories. Trust the science. It's this sort of the ends justify the means. And of course, that's one of the difficulties of being a human being 
is that sometimes you have to justify life that way. Sometimes you have to justify your decisions that way. You have to justify the world you live in that way, that the ends justify the means. But we know how horrible that can get. But there's this perspective in pop culture that the sciences are pure. They're not operating at the mercy of more powerful forces that shape them and shape how they're used. And I mean, going to climate change, that's just the funniest to me because all of the issues that are described as, as contributors to climate change came about through science, through STEM. They're the product of science and, and engineering technology so it's bizarre to me that the people the, the people in stem while they might not have personally created our situation how they're willing to take credit for the the history of science and they see themselves as a piece of that history but they don't see themselves as a piece of the very dark history and even when it's not dark just destructive You know, you think about pollution. You know, all of this comes through scientific development. All of it comes through scientific inquiry first. But they wash their hands of it. When it ends up being destructive, they either say, oh, I had to do it. You know, Hitler made us do it. Hitler made us develop that. Which is true. I mean, like, you know... Scientists who don't go along with the the dominant powers, the dominant power over them, bad things happen to them. At the very least, they lose their position. And that's what we're seeing now in a different way. Although it's not that different. But where we're seeing where not just random people who disagree with the, the experts, with the science, or even if they don't disagree, if they just ask questions. Because we're at that point, we're asking questions or asking for an alternate point of view where the power structure says, no, you're not allowed to participate. We have framed science this way and you have to follow suit. Which is why when you go to Wikipedia, which has just become a propaganda arm, but when you go to Wikipedia, you'll see someone who's, who's benign, someone who's harmless, Somebody who's not attempting to do anything destructive, within the first paragraph, within the intro on their Wikipedia, it'll say, pseudoscientist. And conspiracy theorist has become another form of that. We're seeing more and more where those are coupled. We're seeing more and more where, you know, somebody who is labeled a pseudoscientist also gets labeled a conspiracy theorist because in our current climate, Questioning the science is itself considered a conspiracy theory. So you can see how manipulative it all is. And you can see that this is all manipulated and controlled by the powers that be. And that's not the scientific method. That is not the pure scientific method. So anyone who pretends that that's what's going on, anyone who pretends what's going on is the product of pure science is wrong. 
It's the product of capital T, the, capital S, science, the science, the experts, the priest class. But that priest class operates at the mercy of the powers that be. Children.